Welcome and thank you for joining your lady or girl on Experience Me, a Mawasi Media production, a space where you can experience the experience. This is Mawasi Media, be better known, This is second ago, right? Um, I've never said this like aloud. This recent, I had a recent experience with my daughter. She just had like such a bad attitude towards me. And that day just was not a good day for her <laughs> to have that kind of. Um, Did you say today uh, is not a day? Let, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you what happened. <laughs> like you already raised them not to feel like they have a worth or a voice to say something. And then you're like, why didn't you say something? Well, every other time you tell me to shut the hell up. <laughs> so is it shut up? Or is it stand up and say something? But, Sorry. Did you ever no. get beat with a court, with, with a belt? All the time, son. No, <laughs> listen. My mother used to tell me to go get it. And I, like a dummy, I would. You are tripping. I'd be like, here. You tripping. You are tripping. You, <laughs> you, you know what, D? Thank you for joining me on Experience Me, your lady, your girl, Naj here. I have a very good friend of mine. His name is David Clinton. Do you want to be Dave or do you want to be David? I'm Dave, but people have been calling me David. Ah, some. come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have Dave, uh, yeah. a.k.a. David Clinton with me. Welcome. Welcome to Experience Me, Dave. Oh, I'm, glad. I'm glad to be here, man. What's going on? What's cracking? Well, it took us a minute, but we're here now. Yeah, <laughs> we here. we here. Yo, major technical stop, difficulties, stop but we are here. I am so excited to have you on Experience Me. You and I have been talking for several days now about some serious, intense, deep subjects. Uh, we're not going to get all into them uh, today, but I really do. I just want to tell you and the listeners um that I really enjoy having conversations with you. And I'm actually starting to get to really know you and know how you think and how you click and vibe. You have your own podcast as well. It's called The Art of Living. Yes. Um, can you tell us what that's about? So I kind of wanted to, like, it's, it's kind of like how I think in life. Like I kind of do like my own exposure therapy kind of. Like if it's something that kind of gives me anxiety or something that kind of scares me, I kind of just do it. So it was like one of those things I hated public speaking. And I figured the best way to kind of do that is kind of like make a podcast and just kind of get over that fear. And like, as you know, because you kind of you're in the same space, like when you first do it, it's kind of like awkward and it's weird. And I hated the way my voice sounded, all that stuff. But after I did the first episode, it was kind of like, uh, rewarding feeling kind of it kind of felt like it was dope because it was me and at the time my brother-in-law and uh, we just had a, like a candid conversation and it just snowballed and just something differently and then I was kind of different interviewing different people because I was always kind of intrigued by what people's why is like what's the thing that kind of makes them or makes that light switch flip on, so to speak. And even me and you had that same conversation. I like why you did, why you started to get into radio and podcasting. And it's always been interesting to me, like why people gravitate to a certain things and what's the kind of obstacles that they face that kind of like makes that light switch come on. And they're like, I want to do this for life. Or they're doing something and you can tell when somebody's kind of lit up, like when they're doing something that's like their passion versus something that's like, okay, I'm, I'm getting a check. Yeah, it's just passing by. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay. So I'm familiar with the art of living. Um, I stumbled on your first episode and you got really deep, really personal uh, about your life and what you were experiencing. What was the title of that episode? The funny thing is, I can't remember that episode. I don't remember either. Well, what I remember hearing at that time, you were talking about your thoughts in a, a moment 
um, in time, maybe I think it was like several years ago where you had like a disruption of uh, some kind of mental distortion. Can you talk to us about that? I'm not sure which one you're talking about. Are you talking about the one where? It, 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 I believe it was your very first podcast, Dave, the very first one. So I did a couple of them. So there's one where I was talking, if I remember right, the one I was talking about being approached by undercover cop. Is that, is no, it that, that one? No, that wasn't it. I don't think so. Explain more. So there was one when I was talking about basically the trauma of being in certain situational or being in, in, in sort of, I hate the word, but being in a hood kind of speak. And there's certain things that you encounter as a kid. And one of the things I remember that kind of gave me trauma was seeing an undercover cop and him kind of putting me in a situation in which he kind of just pulled the car over. And I didn't, I just, this was the first time I've seen an undercover cop. I was told about them and how to kind of, conduct myself but when he pulled the car over all I just heard was like screeching ties and somebody jump out of the car and then when he came up to me he was asking me about a situation or a shooting or whatever that took place in in my neighborhood but I could see across the street were some dudes that basically like gang members but there were some dudes that I knew and they saw me talking to this undercover and he looked at my eyes and he traced where my eyes were and I was looking across the street because I knew I wasn't that versed at that time in, in street stuff, but I knew I was in a wrong situation. I knew I wasn't supposed to be talking. How old were you? I probably was like 12. Damn, 11. you was out in the streets back then like that, D? Yo, man, I had to go to the store, <laughs> man. How am I going to get my Chico sticks in my mouth? I had to go to the store. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Yeah, but that's the realization of a lot of um, young black men and older black men so to speak so um continue so when he kind of saw that i was looking across the street mm-hmm. now that i realize he kind of like he manipulated the situation so he tried to give me dap like he tried to shake my hand and he was like what's what's, what's the problem like and i didn't take his hand because i already i knew like i i felt the the, the tension of the situation i felt the eyes on me because of, they were looking at me and he knew they were looking at me and he was trying to leverage me because if he would have mm-hmm. gave me dap, then he would have known that I would need protection from him, so to speak. And I would have to come back and give him information. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a chess move. But luckily enough, I was just always I don't know. I just had like a sixth sense of me. I was aware of certain situations. I was like, now I'm just going to the store. And I kind of like turned off and I kind of walked off on him. Mm-hmm. And I was out of that situation. But it, that traumatized me because I was that was my first interaction with a police officer. Mm-hmm. And my first interaction is this dude try to leverage me. So it was kind of like from there on, it was never a good situation for me in law enforcement. And that was kind of like trauma for me that continued, as you know, being in the hood and being around law enforcement, not all law enforcement, but it just wasn't a good situation. Yeah, I heard your phone. Yeah. <laughs> what made you tell that story though for for on your podcast that wasn't the story that i was talking about but what made you speak about that experience um i was just trying to be like honest about a lot of situations because a lot of people didn't really know me for uh being in a situ- certain situations as long story short like i would be in like corporate america or i would be around certain crowds and it would talk about like the hood and how um law enforcement is not that bad or they or they don't they don't really see it so i kind of i wanted to speak on it because people see Who's me they? people that i work with or or certain people that are outside of my neighborhood that know me that hear me talk and i feel like it was the perception that that I just came from this uh, middle class home, which I did, but I never experienced anything. And and I was like, they were kind of, I feel like they were kind of using me as the example of things don't really, that doesn't really happen to everybody. And I had to kind of really let people, certain people know, like, just because I talk this way and I present myself this way, it's because I can code switch. It's because I've been taught to do this because I just like almost like a second level of survival. 
because you have to be this way. You have to be the black experience in certain situations. So, and I didn't want to perpetuate certain. Uh, do you have to though? What do you mean I mean, by you that? You don't. I mean, you don't have to do anything in life, but when you when you kind of are in corporate America, when you are in certain situations, you feel like you have to. Like you feel like you have to be that experience. Like, and I and I hear a lot of people talk about that after like hearing about the Floyd and the Floyd incident, and people were kind of like Floyd. at work talking about your experience as a person of color. A lot of people would feel like they have to be the experience. Like they have to, they don't want to be the stereotype and have somebody. And then and it's in our own mind that's like, oh, we knew it was like that, or we knew you was like that. So I told that story because it was like after certain things happened in my life, I kind of wanted to be like honest and open about certain situations that happened that it's just normal to us, but it ain't normal for the average person. Like the average person should not see and in, uh, in, in experience certain things, especially at young ages that I was. So thank you for sharing that, by the way. Um, but how does that, how did that experience, and I should add on S experiences, yeah. how does those experiences shape who you are today and how you walk? Uh, a lot of different ways. It, it shaped me, it taught me things that I didn't like and it taught me things that about myself that I do appreciate, like things that I don't like is like, I felt like I had to assimilate in certain ways because I knew I had to to act and be a certain part to be accepted in certain places. But I, I, I appreciate it because those things molded me. Like those things, like once you go through certain things in, in the neighborhood and, and and you see certain things, I don't know, like just uh, just to put it, and I know I'm, I talk about corporate America a lot. Just being in corporate America, and people, it's okay. People will be like, "Oh yeah, oh, you're this person's yelling." So I would see somebody yelling at somebody, and everyone would be so taken back. And I'm like, nobody got shot, nobody got hurt. What are we talking about? So it would mold me in the way of like, that's a joke. Like that's nothing to me. Like somebody yelling in a corporate setting is just, or somebody getting mad or raising their voice. Like it was nothing to me, because. I've been so conditioned around so many different things that that was like a day off being in those settings compared to being home or being around the way where somebody might, you might see somebody and they might not make it the next day or you might be like, oh, I was just hanging with that person the other day and, and it's a wrap. So it makes you kind of appreciate life, but maybe for the wrong reasons too. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting to 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 hear that perspective, which is not saying that it's uncommon, but just hearing you relay your particular experience of how you um, your perspective of that whole experience and how you walk. So, the, I I know you have your podcast. What else do you? What what else do you like to do, D? Like, what's your interest? Too many things, man. Um, I like reading, golf. Mm-hmm. Um, I produce my boys' podcast, uh, the Art of Doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in IT, so I'm into like. Tech Wait a minute, stuff. I gotta stop you for a sec. The Art of Doing and the Art of Living. Explain yeah. that. So his podcast, we didn't even really talk about this. We just both okay. made it. And he made the art of doing after I think I made the art of living, but the art of doing is kind of like the art of just doing that thing instead of like being into thought and complacency of thought and um and procrastinating. He just does things like he made a chicken coop, he built a <laughs> chicken coop, he's uh built shells, he does um. He does a lot of different things where uh, he wasn't, and just to put it into perspective, he just was a dude that was never, never, ever wanted to be in front of the camera, ever. Mm-hmm. And I knew he was a type of dude that he just had, he's one of those guys that just has knowledge of everything. 
And it was like the craziest thing to me. And like, what, how do you, he's like, I would just read books all day. He's like, I would read as a, as a kid, he was like, I would read the quantum of physics and, and but he just have common knowledge of everything, like the body. And he was like, I would just read if I'm going to a doctor and I have something wrong with me, he's like, I'll study it to make sure that the doctor is actually giving me accurate information. Right. I'm like, dude, that's, that's different. You know, like, all right. But I felt it, but I knew he had something to offer people. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where he even talked about him getting shot. And he never talked about that. Him what? Him getting shot. He got oh, shot. Okay. Like, it was an abortion robbery and he got shot and he talked about it on the podcast. But this was a guy that was severe anxiety. Never wanted. And I, and I totally understand why, because if you got shot and you know, I mean, you you had to do something to, to protect your life. Like, you always think that could happen again, even though it might be like a one out of a million chance. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. to you because, yeah, no worries. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not to you because it's a it's trauma. Yeah, trauma is reality to you. But anyway, he made I got him to do a show, so he started doing like shows about different things. You know, and he also trains dogs and stuff like that. So he has dog tips. He has uh, building tips. He has like just trivia and like uh like the story backstory behind the people that formed adidas and they, they had beef before and it was like a puma and they, and they formed adidas and they were kind of against each other so the, the show covers a lot of different stuff and i kind of like helped them produce it and i edited it and uh we kind of just creatively bounced things off each other and it's i think we're like close to uh 100 episodes mm-hmm. so uh, close to 100 episodes in. yeah what are you reading right now Bringing Home the Dharma and How to Control Your Mind, I think it is, by, uh, I forgot who it's, I, I forgot who it by, but. um. It's a Buddhist type of reading, Buddhism? No, the first one is, the Bringing Home the Dharma, Bringing Home the Dharma is Buddhist. Mm-hmm. It's Buddhist, it's based in Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And it's wrote by Jack Cornfield. And I got onto that book because I was helping my daughter because she had ADHD at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was trying, and I always like, if I can't, if I don't know enough something enough about something, it frustrates me. And I figured out as like, as a, being a father, like certain actions frustrate me because I don't know about them. And once I know about them, I can have more empathy towards them. So the ADHD was kind of frustrating me. So I kind of read about it, and I read the book. I think it was like the Whole Brain Child or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it said in the book, it was like some of the times that a child has ADHD, one of the parents are a carrier. Mm. And I was like, do I have ADHD? <laughs> I thought about it. And then when I got tested, I had ADHD. So so how did, how did they figure that out in you? In me, it was a series of tests that they, I think it's like a written exam, basically, that they ask you to check off certain boxes and uh, kind of uh, fill out a questionnaire. But to be honest with you, I always knew since I was a kid, something was different, but I didn't know. In what way? I just could not pay attention. Like no matter how much I tried, no matter how much I would sit there, I would sit there like I'm going to pay attention. And then like a million thoughts would go through my head. And the only thing, I have a therapist and she was like, so how would you do in school? I was like, I would zone out all the time but i had a skill of being able to piece together conversations i didn't have to know the whole conversation Mm. but i could jump into a conversation and figure out the gap and figure out what you need me to answer but i couldn't sit through a whole conversation and i think that's what kind of like and i was talking to a teacher probably like freshman year Mm -hmm. she, she had me after school and she was like trying to kind of tutored me and she was like, do you, have you ever been tested for like ADHD? Because I remember her like, hey, pay attention. And then like literally probably like five seconds later, I zoned out again. Then I zoned out again. She was like, have you ever been tested? And I didn't know what ADHD, so I I just left it at that. But I mean, I I grabbed the book to kind of help my daughter. And Mm -hmm. once I started reading up on ADHD, I read up by this, I think it's this, psychiatrist that specializes in I read his book and he suggested Buddhism for all his clients he didn't suggest 
medication. And I thought, that's the stupidest shit in the world. Like, why would you do Buddhism if you had ADHD? And then I got that book by, first book, like, um, The Buddhism for Beginners, I think, by Jack Hornfield. Mm-hmm. And it made sense. It made all the world sense. Like, I like a light switch turned on in my head because mm-hmm. it was so, it was me. Like, I never, like, read something of, like, the whole principle of Buddhism and how that's just my personality. I believe in, like, this letting people live their life, kind of, like, having their own. Like, you can gently prod people or you can gently, like, have empathy and understanding for their shortcomings because their shortcomings are somewhere. It's kind of like your shortcomings, too. It's kind of like you, you should, if you have empathy for yourself, you can have empathy for somebody else doing something that you might quote unquote look at as like, why would you do that type of thing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Buddhism kind of like embodied that. It was like no judgment. And I, it's just something I live by anyway. I don't judge people. You know, it could be like some, you could tell me like, oh man, I, I pushed a kid down the steps by accident. I'm like, damn, that's kind of messed up. But I guess I understand. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but, for example, D. <laughs> no. Yo, man, like, I'm yo, just people messing do, with you. People do wild shit. But um, it was just one of those things where I just, I, I vibed with that, mm-hmm. that religion because it was kind of like it embodied what I wanted to live by. Mm-hmm. So what about the the thing that I would like that I like about Buddhism because I delved into it um many many years ago um I haven't really picked up or practiced any kind of Buddhism um uh, as far as meditation and stuff but that's I like how disciplined um people that practice Buddhism or have um you know Buddhism and I hope, hopefully, I'm saying it right. Like a Buddhism spirituality type of, of a, of a feel. Like yeah. the meditation is big for me. Like just being absent from all this social, uh, wherever you are. Not even just here in this country or here in Massachusetts. I'm just talking about just shutting things out and being able to chan channel into inner you in the in the universe do you feel like that when you're either one reading or if you actually do like sit there and meditate when you stop meditating is the hardest thing in the world man like it's 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 a reason why they call it the monkey brain Mm. because it's like so hard to calm your brain down like because you're always going to be thinking like, oh, man, I should just go get something to eat. And like, oh, man, I should. Oh, my legs are hurting. Like you're, everything is going to go through your mind. But to you answer your question. It is when you when you. Achieve a level of like. Clarity, like and you, you're not going to do it all the time, but like when you do it that one time, it's different. It It's almost like turning a computer like you have to reboot, reboot a computer at least once or twice a week. So it can work efficiently and your brain is the same way. Like if you don't reboot it, it's constantly bombarded with information. So it doesn't have a chance to give you creativity and new ideas and new Mm -hmm. perspective on things. And I think meditation, it's like it it really resets the brain. Like it really Mm -hmm. almost like cleanse like your palate, so to speak. Mm hmm. So I definitely feel like it, it's it's a game changer. It's just being disciplined enough to to your word to do it. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, um, after our conversation last night, yeah, all that stuff we was talking about last night, I had anxiety all day today. I'm not even joking. I did not feel myself <laughs> because remember I told you that I felt like I was on a high frequency. Mm-hmm. And that, like, my brain was so stimulated just from the information that I encouraged myself to indulge in. And not everything was, like, on a um, uh, on a negative social level. But I'm telling you, D, I woke up this morning and had severe anxiety. Like, 
not like I was scared or anything. I could just feel it in my body. I felt like I needed like a meditation moment. And I even told uh, today, I told her, I was like, yo, I feel like I have high anxiety. She was like, why? And I was like, and I told her, but I didn't tell her everything because I don't want to create insight. I didn't even send her that video. So just for the audience, um, I watched this video that came through on my Instagram feed and it was very disturbing um, and it was displaying stuff about our future as a society and throughout the world. So anyway, yeah, that's a little backstory on why I, I really do believe that uh, all of our conversation that we was having just kind of stimulated me maybe in the in a different way. But I mean, I'm good now, you know. But that's why you should try meditation. meditation. Yeah, well, meditation. yeah. Well, well I like, always meditate in the, but I do meditate in the morning. I do, um, before I get up, I do have moments to myself before I even look at my phone, before I turn on the TV, if I choose to turn on the TV, before I brush my teeth, anything. That's the first thing I do. I just have a moment and thank God for just allowing my eyes to be open. Which is, I, I salute you for doing that, but not a lot of people do that, to be honest with you. And, and no, it's, I know. It's, it's something I try to teach my daughters, but it, mm. both of them, but it's, it's, it's really hard and they don't really totally get what I'm telling them. So what I tell them is when you wake up, and, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I still look at I look at Instagram because I'm into like trying to create content and stuff like that. But I don't I don't jump up and look on my Instagram. And the reason being is that, like you said, your energy, you didn't tell your daughter about your situation because you didn't want to transfer that energy to her. Yeah, absolutely. So the same, the same thing happens when you pick up your phone and you see a post by me and it might be some, I don't know, some radical type of thought. So now you are taking on my thoughts. You're not even taking on your thoughts. You started your day with my thoughts. And now energy transfers. It's like It could be the same way. It's like you might see somebody talking and they smile and you smile for no reason. It's because that you're, you're kind of mirroring what they're giving you. And that's the same thing from like starting your day with something that somebody else posts that they might have been in a bad mood or whatever mood you are now going to mirror that thought and that's what your day is going to start off with. So that's why it's kind of important to kind of start with your own thoughts by like meditating. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it, it's, it's, that's why I try my, not try. I do um, complete a lifestyle that is free of drama, that is free of people that are, that express some kind of ill intention to me. Um, yeah, if I feel that kind of vibe, you gone. You got, and I don't, I don't care. It could be family. It could be someone that I've known for 20, 25 years. It could be someone that I've known for two weeks. That's just not something that I'm going to allow in my life because I, I was there years ago and it's so destructive. You like. Yeah, it's it's so destructive. And I know you're the same way, too. You like to be around positive energy. Actually, since I've known you, since I've met you, what, uh, maybe about 10 years ago? Maybe longer than that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know of you. And I'm not saying you've never had any bad energy. Sometimes, you know, uh, we allow people that don't deserve to be in our lives to come in and change our frequency. But once you're aware of that, you gotta eliminate it like immediately. So I don't play with that. I, I, I see, really man. don't. I was about to say you like to Bill Belichick, yo, you cut it, you cut it off fast. And... Yeah, listen, <laughs> but you know, I had to learn how to do that. He was like family because, friends. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't play and I don't care if anybody gets upset about it. Oh, and I, yeah, listen, I don't care. You're not meant no, but I'm not. I don't allow anybody to mess with my do, headspace. Do they get chances, or is it just like, nah, you out of here? Like, um, I would say, no, no, no. chance. God damn. No, <laughs> no. It it 
heads are rolling. Especially, well, put it this way, especially if it's done intentionally. I know people make mistakes, Mm -hmm. but if it's done intentionally, Nadi. Because once, I mean, what was it, Maya Angelou? When people show you who you who they are, believe them. I mean, that statement is absolutely true. You have to believe it. And, and if you don't, if you ignore it, it's just going to come back. It's just going to keep coming and coming and coming. So. So do you feel like you were always that way or does something push you that way? I think. Yes. I would have to say yes, but I say that with a pause because (laughs) I've always had this exterior or this somewhat of a guard even when I was younger. But I allowed certain circumstances to pass through. But once those circumstances and experiences became more challenging and it started affecting my mental stability that's when my guard just went way up and i had to protect myself knowingly or unknowingly and hence um yeah how i am today if that makes sense no it makes sense i kind of already knew the answer but like, I just wanted to see, because usually, I, you know me, I always feel like it boils back to some type of trauma. Like, there's some type of thing that makes you develop that, that thick skin. So Well, I, it, I wouldn't say that not every, I did have trauma, but not every, it wasn't, it didn't start out as trauma. Mm-hmm. Right? So it it could be just someone that was mean to me. They would say something um, that was mean to me or they would hit me or um, someone, male or female, would disrespect me and I would let it go for whatever reason, like much earlier in life. But then I realized how... um, how it started affecting me and it just perpetuated even more and more and they felt like because I let it go so many times it kept happening like oh Naj is she she's cool with this she let me get by the the last time that's why when you just asked me do you let it go no if it's done intentionally to me no I mean, I agree, but I definitely feel like, I guess maybe trauma is a strong word, but I definitely feel like there's there's things that I go through that are similar to what you're saying. Like, I remember growing up, and I'm I'm from a West Indian family, so. I am too. Kids, you don't get to talk. Like, that's not an option. Like, you don't have a point of view. Like, my kids now, they get to talk and say, and they're like, you don't let me talk. I'm like, dude, I didn't get to say shit. Like I did was just orders, <laughs> was just orders given. I know, right? And that was it. Like it was no like let's stay, let's hear about your feelings. Like how do you feel about what I told you? So I never had a voice, which was good and bad, because I learned how to just follow orders. But I learned how to follow orders and not challenge people because they were an adult. And sometimes I'll be in situations where I need to challenge somebody, whether it be like a guidance counselor that told me I don't need to fill out college applications in my junior year of high school, basically telling me like, you ain't going to, you ain't going to college anyway. So I remember not being able to talk. So once I was like, you know, I was able to talk like 1920, like I was, no one's going to tell me what to do or how to do or not to do, but it all came from a standpoint of, I didn't have a voice. So when I had a voice, I was quote unquote kind of abusing it because I wasn't listening to no one versus someone giving me a voice but it still felt like a little bit of trauma like where it was I didn't have a say like I, I knew I didn't have a say and it didn't feel good so when I did have a say it was like yo you ain't telling me shit like I don't care I'm not doing that so you know I, I think it's so, I, w- I was smiling just a second ago right um I'd never said this like aloud this recent I had a recent experience with my daughter 
for the most, I'm very respectful to my daughter. I've never put my hands on her. Yeah, I may have yelled at her um, at times when I was upset, right? But I tried my best to keep that at a minimum because I know how destructive that can be, especially to a young girl. My daughter's now, she's now, well, she'll be 21 soon, but D, I'm telling you, I had a bad moment with her one day. Like she was just, she just had like such a bad attitude towards me. And that day just was not a good day for her <laughs> to have that kind of um Did you say today uh, is not a day? Let, let me tell you, I'm gonna tell you what happened. <laughs> yo, D, and I kept telling her, I was like, yo, today, you're working it right now. You're really I'm really trying right now. My my hands were like yeah. Like this, you know what I'm saying? Not like I would ever put my hands on my daughter. I've never laid my hands on my daughter. But that day, she said something to me. And I was like, yo, today, shut the fuck up. You know what she said? What? She looked at me and she said, you shut the fuck up, D. Oh, I just... Shit, son, <laughs> shit went down. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, yo, I looked at my daughter. I was like, did she just give me back what I gave? D, I couldn't even say anything. I taught her to do that. I taught her That's interesting. to not be so disrespected by anyone. So I literally shut the fuck up. You were mature as shit. Huh? You mature. Like, that's a mature thing. I'm not that No, mature. but D, how am I going to teach her not to be disrespected because it was disrespectful what I said I was having my own moment in my head and I was dead serious like dead because she was like rah, 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 rah. I was like yo it just it was just too much for me at that moment I was like yo for real I said today shut the fuck up she said you shut the fuck up I was like, oh shit you, I just you. sat there and I, D I was boiling I wanted to say something so bad I was like, Naj, don't even do it. Because she's in a moment in her time, um, in her life right now, where she's really um, commanding her own voice. And who would I be? Who would, it would not be fair, even as her mom, regardless of her response to me, that I initiated, who am I to tell her, don't say that to me? Yeah, listen, I, I applaud this, this, <laughs> this adult. It was this adulting. This is adulting at its Listen, I right. have an extremely, um, a very good relationship, actually a great relationship with my daughter. She calls me every day and we flush things through with uh, her goals, some of the issues she may have at school. You know what I mean? Um so I, we both have a, a high level of respect for each other. And I have to be able to give that back to her, even if I don't agree that she said that to me because, you know, I came out of my mouth and, uh, you know, I, I was disrespectful to her. You know? Hats off to you. What, what would you have done? <laughs> I'm not sure this is that type of show. So do you think, <laughs> but, but. I'm not sure this is that type of show. But um, what would I have done? Listen, I'll tell you in the past before I changed. Yeah. If you were to talk to my my middle, she would do. She would still do my voice today. She'd be like, "Listen, I'm not having that shit today. Like you, I'm not your little goddamn friends. Like that's how our conversations used to go. Mm. Because she would just take it to a level. Like she knew she knows how to push buttons. So she would take it to the level, and it would only happen like. One side of a blue moon. And she knew she couldn't like really get to me. So when she did get to me, she was like, oh, I got him. So it was, she just caught me at the wrong day. Like like you said, it was just the wrong day. I wasn't, usually I'm, I have restraint. We, have, we all have those moments. Usually I could like talk it through. I could be like, listen, right now you're frustrated and you're trying to get my attention in the wrong way. I pull out my little strategies and pull on my little therapist hat. Not that day. Today I was like, yo, you're going to get all the smoke. Like if you want that smoke, we can do this today. But after I kind of talked to her and I saw her kind of um, shrink, mm -hmm. like that wasn't the respect I wanted. 
like I wanted to respect, but I didn't want the type of respect that was like flinching, like I'm scared of you, like physical almost. So, and I know kind of like I'm her first relationship. So if I am talking to her in that way, I can't be mad if she go find a dude that talks to her that way. Yeah. Yeah. So to your point, I had to come back and apologize for that and be like, that's not how a man's supposed to talk to you. That's not how things are supposed to go. I lost my um I lost my cool because I had a bad day and it's not an excuse. I, I wasn't in control of my emotions and my emotions got the best of me. So I think that day kind of created a different bond with us because she was used to getting talked to or I forget what the terminology is. Like instead of being having a conversation you kind of talk down to your kid so that day we had a conversation mm-hmm. and i think after that it kind of like spurred our relationship to where it is today where we're kind of like we we talk things too like it went from screaming matches to like i right, dad that i shouldn't have did that like that was wrong and then like all right cool that's all i really want just tell me something happened and i'll tell you if i did something i'm like hey look that wasn't right. Like, I shouldn't have handled it like that. That's not how a person's supposed to be. So, our relationship's kind of dope. So, I ain't mad at it. Isn't that beautiful? Like, amazing? Even when I, even when Sade said that to me, D, in my, my first reaction was like, yo, did she, re-? I just looked at her and was like, yo, did she really just say that? But part of me was like, yes, finally. Like, use your voice to command respect. You know what I mean? But D, my hand, my hand was going like this. The backhand? Yeah, but I would never do, I would never do, I listen, I, mm. it was an intense <laughs> moment. But then when I really thought about it, I'm like, Dodge, you taught her this. You literally taught her this. Oh, and then I thought about, if a guy told her to shut the fuck up and she didn't say anything, or if she did say it back to him and he backhand her, you know what I mean? I don't want her to feel like she can't stick up for herself, regardless of me being her mom. And I was in the wrong. I didn't tell her that. I mean, but <laughs> every, everybody has a day. Let me ask yeah. you this. Like, yeah. how did, how does your parent, your parents feel about your parenting? Um, so, I guess I'm asking in those moments where it's because I have a I have a follow up, but I just want to know if your parents feel like, you know, well, let's tell me how your parents feel about your parenting in those moments. They don't have a say in my parenting. My mother will give me some advice. My mother has very old school way of thinking, which I do respect, but sometimes her ways are not effective for today's kids, today's young adults. It's a whole different time from when she was born or even from when I was born and when I was a young adult. You know, these kids have a lot more going on upstairs. You know what I mean? They're they're Ooh. fighting depression. They're fighting um, these irritations like the ADHD and uh, uh, bullying, all these social pressures that they have, you know. So um, it's just different the way that you have to monitor for one mm-hmm. and the way that you approach uh, children, your child or children today. It's a completely different beast, completely different. But I will say that it's very interesting to watch her grow. If I didn't have a child, if I didn't have my daughter, I would be less aware of what's going on in the world unless I decided to, like, indulge in it myself. She comes home and she shares little things with me. So um, I think I would know, actually, anyway, because it's just my personality, just how I am. I like to know um, my surroundings and socially what's going on. So I think I would know. Um, What's the exciting part is, is that 
me and today are actually like she's my daughter but she's also my friend and i know a lot of her friends not saying that her friends are my friends but they've embraced me um as one and of their they take my advice. Yeah, they be all over here. They be chilling. I have them laughing or sometimes I'd be serious and I just kick like some serious knowledge with them. And um, they respect that, you know, so it's cool. It's cool being a mom, but I'm, I'm kind I'm, I am disturbed um, about what's going on socially in the world. And I've talked to you in great detail about that. You out there like Wu-Tang kicking the truth to the young black youth, huh? Yeah, sometimes I get a little bit too strong in the throat. You know what I'm saying? I can be, um, yeah, but that's, that's, that's that passion that comes in about my beliefs and my care. You know what I mean? Now, that's so. good, though, man. Like, I mean, if I could go over a friend's house at a, at, a, at age and get some game, that's that's good. But I think I asked you about that because I... I know as as being a West Indian, I definitely felt there was definitely family members like you. You just let your children talk to you like that. You just let them address up like like what? <laughs> it was like, what do you mean? So my kids would I would let my kids ask questions, but in in my culture, like kids asking questions is almost disrespectful. It's not disrespectful to me if they're like, but why do I have to clean up my room? I, I mean, I could easily be like, because I said so, and I'm your parent. And I, but I would explain to them, like, because look at how I keep my room. Look at how I keep my surroundings. Why would I let you keep your surroundings like that? That's not even productive. It's not even good for you. Like, if, you, if you're if you in a, a surrounding where everything has a place and everything has some place to go, your mind, if, if it's a messy room, your mind is, is working even when you think it's not working because it knows those things that's on the floor has a place. So now you're taking mental brain power that you don't even know and you're expelling it on something that's just a mess. So that's why I need you to clean up your room. And then now you have a reason. Like if, Even if you wanted to do arguing the one-up thing, like, well, I feel like it's my body or whatever the hell you want to say, I at least gave you an explanation. Around the second or third time, I'd be like, yo, because I said so. <laughs> then you got to go clean up your shit. I never understood why our parents, I think this is what I'm hearing from you, why our parents told us to do something. And if we questioned it, number one, you couldn't ask the question like you're saying, or two, because I said so. Like what? That makes no sense. How are you supposed to grow and learn? You know what I mean? You got to give some kind of explanation, I think, D, you know? It's context, man. But it, you feel like, and it's it's sad, but I feel like, not all, but some West Indian parents feel like you're a child. And because you're a child, you don't have rights. And if you're raising exactly. someone that you, you're telling them they don't have rights. Right. That's what you're raising. Like someone right. is not... That doesn't it's counterproductive. It doesn't feel like they have a voice or a will to say things. So if something wild happens, like somebody gets touched or somebody gets hurt, like you already raised them not to feel like they have a worth or a voice to say something. And then you're like, why didn't you say something? Well, every other time you tell me to shut the hell up. <laughs> so is it shut up or is it stand up and say something? So I always was conflicted. And sometimes I really would generically have a question, like, but why though? Because I tell you to do it and I don't need you. I'm like, I understand, but I don't, I'm really being honest with you. I don't understand why you're asking me to do this. So if you, you ever, can, go ahead. Sorry. Did you ever no. get beat with a court, with, with a belt? All the time, son. No, <laughs> listen, my mother used to tell me to go get it. And I, like a dummy, I would. You are tripping. I'd be like, here. You tripping. You are tripping. You, <laughs> you, you know what, D? The thing, you know, my, with all due respect, I love my mom. It it was just a West. It's a West Indian thing. It's a culture thing. I don't. There's nothing bad feelings about it. But my mother has seemed to have taken that out of her memory. Oh, I don't remember that. I don't remember telling you to oh, go get yeah. the the, yeah. the belt. 
Like, what? Yeah, well, I do, and I got the scars to show you, but I don't have any scars, but um, yeah, all of a sudden, she, she, that's gone from her memory. <laughs> I've never done that to you. <laughs> See, my mother, like, I, didn't, I didn't talk like that. I'm like, you used to say it all the time, like, if I get the better, I'll cut your ass tonight, you know, I'll finish Wait, killing. Wait, where, where are you from? Trinidad. Oh, you Trini? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. she, she was saying. I know a few Trinis. <laughs> yeah, just skilled, just skilled in the art of a belt. Oh, it's the same thing as Bayesians, <laughs> Barbados. I I get it. So, but to your I point, one thing I heard, and uh, I was listening to TED Talk, mm-hmm. and I stopped saying it after, and she, and she was like, "We talk about, we talk to our kids like, why did you do that?" And we don't teach them how to think but we're asking them what no the question was like what were you thinking when you did that that mm-hmm. was and that was one of my things like yo what the hell were you thinking like why did you do that and she's like you ever asked yourself did you teach them how to think like how are you asking them what were they thinking did you teach them how to think like did you teach them creative problem solving before you asked them maybe it's you because you didn't teach them to create a problem so i was like damn that is that is deep. That's one thing. And another another thing, I was speaking to a woman that was an educator, and she was like, you know why I don't beat my kids? And I was like, wow, she's Cape Verdean. She's like, because the reason why I don't beat my kids is because the slave masters made us beat our kids to keep them in place. So not only were the slave masters beating them, your parents would beat you so you would stay in uniform. She's like, I refuse to do the slave masters bidding. I think that's where it comes from. I think that 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 uh, uh, that psychological damage, even so many years, it's been like a generational type of a tradition. That's why I swore I would never touch my daughter. Like I don't believe in that. I mean, I know there's there are people that I know that do that, and I'm like, I don't I don't understand it. And when I watch, I forget this doctor, um, I forget his name, but he was talking to DMX because DMX was abused. He was beaten by his mom, like pretty bad. And he admitted hitting his children to discipline them. And the doctor, I wish I could remember his name, it was on a show that DMX was on. The doctor was explaining to DMX that that changes the chemical imbalance in your head, in a child's head, when you do that. Mm. It changes them psychologically. And my, outside of that, my personal thought on that is what right do I have as a parent, just because I'm a parent and I'm older, to put my hands on that child? When they, they're, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? They have no way to defend themselves. And that goes back to me not saying anything to my daughter after she told me to shut the fuck up. Like, what right do I have to tell her, don't talk to me like that when I just spoke to her like that? Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. I'm not, and, and, and to put it out there, if if you discipline your child, that's that's what you do. I ain't, I ain't mad at you. You do what you want to do. But for me, that didn't make sense because, and I say it all the time, that's the easiest thing you could do is come home and whoop a kid's ass. It's well, the easiest thing you could solve? do. What does it's, it solve? It's easy, no. Like, I'll tell you what it solves, right? So the reason why my father would come home and whoop my ass he didn't been at work for like eight hours. He done told me seven times, yo, when I get home, you need to be home, bro. Mm-hmm. And I'm not listening. And the easiest thing to do is put hands on me because then the pain, the pain and the trauma of that is going to hopefully prevent me from doing that again. I'm going to think about the ass whooping before I do that again. But what really would help for for, this is why I feel like it's it's easy because you it's not too much work. You just put a beat up, pull the belt out, you beat the person, blah blah blah. It takes more work to influence someone. It takes more worth to get the buy-in. 
And I related to there's managers that like there's still people. And I think it's getting phased out now that feel like you just come in and yell at people. You, you keep people on edge and you, you, you keep that tension. And that's how you manage people. That works for a little limited time, because at some point you're going to do something messed up and somebody underneath you is going to find that opportunity to nail you to the cross. That's all, gonna, hostil- that's all hostility, though. Correct. But the people that get the buy-in, the managers that I have that are great managers that get the buy-in, that be like, yo, I want you to win because if you win, I win. You have more loyalty to that person. If t- something happens to that person, you'll protect that that manager. If they need you to come in on the weekend, you're going to be like, yeah, because that person's cool. They, you feel like that person has an investment in you. I look right. at the same way as kids. If the kids feel like they got a, if they feel like, yo, you really value what I, what I say, like you value how I feel. And sometimes I'm going to still have to make a decision, but at least, you know, seven out of 10 times, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to understand. I'm going to explain to you. I'm going to voice how I feel. I'm going to voice my fears. I'm scared sometimes. Sometimes I don't have the answers. They feel like, okay, you're normal. You're a human being. I think there's more influence and there's more longevity in that than me coming on whipping your ass. Because they said, I heard a little girl say, you can judge a parent by how many times the kid comes back after an adult. Wait, what? Repeat that? You can judge a parent by how many times a kid comes back home when they're an adult. Whether they like if they come and visit and hang around you, like how your daughter comes to hang around you mm-hmm. is a testament that she felt valued by you as a human. Like she felt like you were you were a person that saw her and valued her versus if you whipped her ass all the time, she comes to you every now and then. Because you're really not somebody she really wants to hang around like that, mm-hmm. based on the relationship. So she was basically saying, like, if you're a dope parent. The press is going to want to come back and hang around you because your personality, the way you felt, the way you made them feel, you added to them versus, you know, I know this person is my parent, but I really don't like them. Like, they was they cool. They they raised me. They put room on my board over my and, and they helped me raise to be the person I am. But I really don't want to be around. I can't fathom being around that person. Right. Right. I was going to say something to you. Um, oh, it's just to kind of tie up the whole beating thing, I want to just express this thought that I challenged my mom and other people when I um, heard or saw them hit their child, when they felt like it was right for them to do. Like, I'm not judging anybody, but I would make them think the reason why you are hit it because I, I would ask them what what makes you think that you have the right to do that because they shouldn't be doing this and this and that if I don't do this they're not going to learn that would be the average response mm-hmm. so then I would say to them so if that's the reason why you do it mm-hmm. when you're beating your child for the most part and I'm going to exclude the people that I'm talking to, but anytime I've seen someone, uh, a, a parent hit their child, what do you see, D? Anytime you see a parent hit your child? Yeah, like it, what? It's what, usually, I feel like, and I'm, I'm, I don't have the statistics to prove it, I feel like the kid gets handsy too. No, it's not even about statistics. I'm saying like, okay, first of all, have you ever seen a parent beat their child? Yeah. Okay. So when you saw that action happen, Mm -hmm. what did you see in the parent and what did you see in the child being hit? I saw fear in the child rage in the parent. Exactly. That's why it doesn't work. It's not even about this is what I feel. It's not even the reason that you gave because it's disciplined so they don't do it again. Yeah, you you have like rage. You want to get that rage because you're personally affected how that what that child did or said. So it's not even taking the place of that. This is what I believe. It's not even the concept that the child is actually learning. You've made the child fearful. 
not it's not a learning experience anymore it never listen if if this does that make sense did i say it right yeah i think i did you, you said it perfectly but to your point if there is fear in the air and uh-huh. adrenaline the brain the 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 you're no longer talking you're no longer accessing the part of the brain where there's learning exactly it is now fight or flight exactly so there, so there is no learning going on in fight or flight it's just survival so if you I really think it's on wanna, both sides though i and maybe not yeah but, i think it's i think it's experienced on both sides but if you're beating, does that make like, sense? Not it doesn't. It, I mean, it's maybe more, not those words, but that person is actually experiencing an opposite effect of that, right? Maybe not fight or flight. Well, the kids I, is in fight or flight. In his mind, is this is his brain is yeah, telling maybe him. Maybe it's not for the parent, but for the parent, I think it's just rage. And and getting getting that off your chest, like getting that, like it's almost like a release for you, but it's almost like they it's failed. trauma for the kid. They failed. They feel like they failed because that's not what you were taught. That's not what that parent taught them. So that's what that rage is to me. That's coming out that you feel um, like you didn't do your job right, and nobody's perfect. So you're gonna have a child that messes up. But and you're. Go ahead. You're speaking from a very high level, though. Like, I mean, that's why I. Yeah, enjoy. I don't know any other way. <laughs> I don't know any other way. Because I'm telling you, because that's what kind of like Buddhism done for me. Like, it's kind of like where you, to your point, there's certain things that Noel would do or my middle will do, and I now have to stop myself. Like, why am I mad that she's doing this? I'm mad she's doing this because I do this. And I feel like if she keeps doing it, I'm 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 actually mad at myself. Like I'm actually mad because I see myself and her actions that she's doing. And instead of just being empathy for her, I want to discipline her. But instead of me just being like, you know what? That's me. And that's a lot of parenting. Like a lot of parenting comes from the sense of you being able to get out your ego and be like, you know what, I need to have some empathy for this person, not judgment. Like I failed. I failed is almost, I won't say narcissistic, like, but it's 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 a weird way to parent if you think about it, because it's just a teaching moment. It's not a moment. I told you this minute. You if if you feel like I told you something a million times, maybe you're not expressing it in a way that's digestible to the kid. You got to think about how you're relaying, you're relaying the message. Like maybe you're relaying the message fucked up. So it might be you. Right. And, and I think that it's it's most most commonplace in black homes because of what we have to deal with socially anyway. And what we've dealt with maybe um, traditionally in our homes. Right. Like when you were talking about the the slave mentality, yeah. you know, that that happening that happened back then. It's like just. Yeah. It's like a domino effect. So it's easy for me to say if if I'm a single parent and I got three kids. That's enough. Re- but listen, it's, it's really hard to be like, OK, let's do our strategies now. Listen, you shouldn't have did that. Like, I'm going to come home and I might want to wring somebody's neck. Somebody's neck might have to get wrung that day. Cause you coming home, you it's three kids, you're working probably two jobs, and it, all that energy and all that affection you would have if you just was working one job, or if you had two parents, somebody take that 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 type of uh, pressure off you, yeah. you would have more of that fortitude to have an open mind that okay, this is a kid, you need to be handled a certain way, we need to talk about this. You don't have that when you you trying to make you trying to keep the lights on, man. Like it's just it's a different conversation. Well, that's what I'm saying. All those different um uh variables can be attached to it. Listen. Mom, don't hate me. Don't hate me. I still love you. I still love you. <laughs> you shouldn't have beat me though. 
Yeah, I've had this conversation with her many times, and I joke about it at the table. So we're okay. good. I don't even. Yeah, it's yeah, and it's not like I got beaten all the time, but one beating is enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was a good ass kid, D. I was a good kid. Kid, I didn't need to be beaten. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey. Yeah. Yeah, how you looking at camera shit? <laughs> nah, for real. I was a good kid. And yo, no good loving, kid. No good kid ever kid. says I was a good kid. No, I really was. I really was. You wouldn't have to say it if you was a good kid. No, I real D, I really was. I'm honestly the way okay. that you see and hear me today is how I was back then. I'm just more outgoing with it. I've always been silly. I've always had a serious side. I've always even when I was younger, I used to, and I don't know if it's because I'm left-handed or I, I don't know what it is, but I've always had this perspective of, I never look at things from the surface. I'm always scratching. Like I told you, I'm always at the plates, like underneath the earth's crust. That's where I am. That's where, that's where the flare up is. I'm not outside of it socially looking at it. I'm looking like, like, underneath where those plates are rubbing together and causing that earthquake and you know I, yeah see now i just went all right i'm i'll dial it back you can you can, you can, <laughs> you can we can be under the, we can be at the earth places that's where you won't be at i ain't mad yeah. at you but what yeah. what made so, you what made you curious like that like what made you look at things from a from that deep of a level like when did you start doing that Michael Jackson's coming to mind right now. Michael Jackson is coming to mind. I would have never thought that. But go ahead. Please explain. No, honestly, and I told you a brief story about my on-air experience. I'll share that in a second. But the reason why I say Michael, well, I have to attribute 